Hello and welcome to the Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly news review satirizing the news of the month that was through hilarious op-eds and raucous debate. This particular edition of the Skewer was recorded at Cafe Mustache in Chicago, Illinois on September 5th, 2018. Oh, I do hope you enjoy it. Everybody, tonight it's the September 2018 Skewer! And I'm your host, Erica Dreisbach. Well, August was another buck wild, hot, and heavy month, boys and ghouls. Despite the court ordered, this is a little bit echoey, isn't it? It's okay. Yeah. A little hot, just like me. Oh. Despite the court-ordered deadline, which came and went in July, migrant families are still separated and detained in what can only be described as concentration camps. U.S. citizens of Latin descent living along the southern border are being denied passports. The president repeated white nationalist talking points again. The guy who brought Sarah Palin into our lives died. You can applaud for that. Asbestos is back in business. And just in the last few days, the local news in our fair city has made international papers in a rare show of political foresight. Rom announced yesterday that he is not running again for mayor. Yes, correct. And the trial of Laquan McDonald's murderer is currently in progress. The lawyer in me wants to qualify him as the alleged murderer. But I did watch a videotape of said murder, so unless you can demonstrate to me that Burger King employs a crack team of editors, he's murderer just. But right now I'm thinking about something you won't often hear about in the lamestream media. I'm thinking about labor unions. While we may reasonably regard unions as a relic of another era, like retirement at age 65, (laughs) or a pension, This year has seen a wave of wildcat strikes across the country, and right now, we are in the middle of the largest prison strike in U.S. history. Indulge me, if you will, in a short lesson about the Great Railroad Strike of 1877. In July of that year, in Martinsburg, West Virginia, the B&O Railroad cut wages for the third time in a matter of months. A recent economic depression, called the Long Depression, had allowed rich robber barons to force workers out of nascent trade unions. Ah, do you want the job, see? You better cut up that union card. (laughs) And when the third pay cut came, those rowdy West Virgins, who were notably disproportionately immigrants, said, no money, no moving trains. The governor called President Rutherford B. Hayes. Actual fact, by the way, the B stands for bastard who stint in the federal troops who violently put down the strike until the trains ran again. In the meantime, the strike had gone viral to Maryland, New York, Pennsylvania, Missouri, and our own Illinois. In every case, the same scenario repeated. Massive spontaneous strikes, violent repercussions. 
In the aftermath, over 1,000 were in jail and 100 were dead. And the workers, they did not subsequently form unions or have their pay reinstated. The short view of history would say the Great Railroad Strike did nothing to advance the cause of workers' rights. Back in the here and now and the ongoing prison strike, I see clear parallels to 1877, a workforce largely composed of immigrants and disenfranchised groups, a labor pool without freedom to choose new labor, work that sucks, rich robber barons making it suck more, a massive strike that erupts seemingly spontaneously and spreads wildly, and an impact that historians of the short view may deem meaningless. I found it difficult to get coherent information on the actual size of the prison strike, on the violent repercussions that prison laborers may be facing, even on the rights of prison laborers to decline work. But I gathered that although the law guarantees minimum wage, those wages can be confiscated by the state to cover the cost of incarceration, meaning prisoners, say, fighting the wildfires in California, might be paid as little as one cent per hour. You see, the 13th Amendment contains a disturbing loophole outlawing slavery and involuntary servitude except as punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, so legal slavery, that's cool. The past didn't go anywhere, did it? I don't believe that resistance is futile. On the contrary, this is exactly the moment to put our bodies against the machine. But I remind myself not to forget history. It may take another 15 or 50 years to eliminate prison labor as de facto chattel labor, or in my wildest imagination, eliminate prison altogether. That was a test. You all passed the test. <laughs> but this strike now is part of it. This resistance changes culture slowly, like a pregnancy, which similarly changes slowly and takes for fucking ever. <laughs> On that note, I'd like to smoothly segue to the elephant in my uterus, because I've also been thinking about another kind of labor, i.e. when one way or another, my body will be rent to let a tiny human out. I've been a little cagey talking about it, the pregnancy. Mostly because I always get the same questions. When are you due? Which is not your business. You're going to know when you need to know. Sometimes I ask people, uh, what was the results of your last STD test? Or, uh, <laughs> you tell me, I'll tell you. Hey. Uh, and then they ask, boy or girl? And I usually say, well, uh, the baby has Y chromosomes and a penis. So we're on track for assigned male at birth. After that, I mean, it's 2018. And the person goes, <laughs> it's 2018. <laughs> like, that means something. <laughs> I know that my child has a penis because at every single optical scan that I have had, medical personnel has made a big point of pointing it out to me. <laughs> There's the heart. There's the penis. <laughs> at my level two sano, the tech actually took a still drew a giant arrow at it, <laughs> and labeled it Baby Boy. And I like to think that Baby Boy was the tech's nickname for my child's genitals. <laughs> like, there's your baby, and there's Baby Boy. That joke goes out to my boy, Randy. I am truly 
not interested in those millimeters of wang aside from certain wang-specific diaper-changing tips in order to avoid the fountain of pee that I have an interest in. But what I really am interested in is learning about labor, the big show, when the Stargate will open. <laughs> With the right query, YouTube will show you some graphic videos. And people ask me, are you just trying to scare yourself? No. I didn't prepare to run marathons by hiding myself from information about marathons. Why would ignorance serve me? This is work. I'm preparing for the work. We got a great show for you tonight. <laughs> Writers who have put in the work. But first off, we've got Kevin Johnson with the fake news quiz. I guess I have to tell you what this is, even though you all know what it is. Uh, it's basically two truths and a lie, but it's with the news, so it like matters at all. But not really. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, I'm going to need a volunteer from you lovely people. <gasps> um, you. I'm Tom. I'm the co-producer of this show. This is the first skewer that I'm not a part of, but guess what, bitch? I am now. I, I, I gamed the system. Tom, you, you have ruined it. Yes. Truly. I have. Oh, now he's going to take the fucking mic out? What is this, like a fucking... Yeah, I don't want to stand... This is Seinfeld? Like, what the fuck is this? Have you ever noticed that there's two truths and a lie? Airplane food. What's the deal with lies? <laughs> God damn it, Tom. All right. I'm always on. <laughs> All right, Tom. <laughs> your, first, your first story. Teens are having surgery to look more like their filtered selfies. Hopefully not like the dog Snapchat filter. That's <laughs> fucking gross. Anyway, story two. Two German men escape their nursing home to attend a heavy metal festival. Story three. In another case, a millennial's ruining everything. Shoppers are buying clothes just for the Instagram pic and then returning them. That one, even if you made that up, is definitely happening in real life. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so I'm not going to go with that. The second one about the German people, I would not put it past you if they like went to an EDM festival and it's like, got ya. Uh, I'm going to go with the surgery one being false. You're wrong, motherfucker. No. People are stupid. Yeah. Um, so the, the the mental, I mean, sorry, the, the, the old people, it was like widely reported, but it was actually people that left a mental uh, house thing and then went to like a near, a party nearby a metal festival. I don't know. It's some weird shoddy I don't journalism. Know. Okay, maybe I'm just not grasping what the lie is. That sounded like exactly what you just no, said. No, no, no. It wasn't. So it wasn't like people from a nursing home. Oh. Like okay. older people. They were like uh, mid 50s. Fine. I don't know. You got to blur them lines, you know? <laughs> it's. I got to find a lot of these, Tom. It's true. It God is hard. Damn it. Um, okay, so this this whole set is like dedicated to France unexpectedly. <laughs> this is this is dropping precipitously. Anyway, 
First story, a horny dolphin has shut down a French beach. I think that works. Did you get it? Did you hear me? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that that horny dolphin has shut down a French beach. Okay. Story two, nope, those aren't mailboxes. Paris rolls out sidewalk urinals. Yeah, that one's real. Story three, a French theme park is in hot water after teaching lost children to pick up trash. After teaching lost children. You know how children get lost in theme parks. And they just, you gotta go to that jail. You'd be like, you wait for your parents. But But why not put them to fucking use? And then it works. Put them to fucking use. They banned all the immigrants. Who's gonna do that work, Tom? Okay, that's a good point. Um, (laughs) That's children, Tom. So the horny dolphin, again, even if you made that up, that did happen somewhere at some point. Probably. Uh, dolphins are awful. But did it shut down a French beach, Tom? <laughs> it, no, it was, <laughs> was he just so horny, like, in Australia oh, that he's no. like, oh, man, the French, oh. They're just like, you know Sacre what? Bleu. We read about this dolphin. Beaches, what's the appeal, actually? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to say That's that. a lot of dolphin semen. What was the second one? Uh, the dolphin, the, 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 the child pee- The pee boxes. The, oh, the, that was okay. That was the real one. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and say the the child labor one is false. Um, unfortunately, that is it is false. Uh, we are not using children to their full potential. Um, they the, the theme park actually trained some crows to pick up garbage, and then they're like, the birds can fucking do it. Why can't you, lazy shit? Wait. So did. The, they but, did. They did both. The birds and the children. No, no children. Okay, so I was right. Yes, you were oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you were correct, Tom. They trained crows. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> it's like low-key animal torture, probably. I don't know. They probably like it. <laughs> sure. Okay. Your third set of stories. Uh, Procter and Gamble. You know they own brands like Febreze and Tide. They want to trademark LOL and WTF. Ooh, wow. Or maybe I made that up. <laughs> That'd be a good, that's a good joke if you did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, story two. A store is forced to close after surveillance footage shows the owner using fish as hand puppets. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. And uh, story three. A two-year-old girl falls from the 17th floor apartment window. Gets right back up and walks inside. Oof. It's Man. like, oh, it's my house. I should go back in. And then, like, hopefully it's not just, like, a continuous. <laughs> yeah. Kind of sad. Every single time she's the one in the million <laughs> who survives. Um, I, I haven't been online much lately because I've been not at work. Bless and at work, you. I Bless go your online heart. constantly. So I'm, like, completely in the dark. Yeah. Man. It's, I, I believe the one with the girl falling from this from the that, that's just weird enough that yeah, I why would it, it. why would I make that up Tom why, why would, would I make that what, up? what would that say about you if that came from your brain <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's, I'm gonna say the Procter and Gamble lol oh no one. they want that oh Jesus they want that you know the millennials them always using them letters that mean other stuff they love that <laughs> so the 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 fish guy he was not using it as a hand puppet. This store uh, got in trouble because they were putting googly eyes on the fish to make them look fresh. Uh, <laughs> Fair. That seems yeah. completely reasonable. Uh, yeah, thanks for participating, Tom Harrison. Um, 
you can take a sticker from the merch box. I mean, they're basically your stickers, so do whatever the fuck you want with them. Yay. Yay. And then uh, clap for your your host for the evening, Erica Drachbach. Thank you, Kevin. Next up, we've got our op-ed section, and our first writer is Jeff Phillips. He's a washed-up varsity cross-country skier and storefront theater method actor. His essays and short fiction have appeared in Metazen, Chicago Literati, Literary Orphans, and XRAY Literary Magazine. He is the co-founder of Zizobachi Papers, a literary journal to get dedicated to the novella and a regular contributor for Drinkers with Writing Problems. You can find him on Twitter as at the Igloo Oven or at theotherauthorjeffphillips.com. Welcome up, Jeff Phillips! Thank you, thank you. Let's see. Oh no, messing things up. I got greedy with the height. <laughs> Let's try this. It's Kevin. There we go. <laughs> right. I'll do a little Seinfeld style. All right, so you probably noticed a little bit of fire behind us. We had quite the summer. This summer, forests all across California, spanning Orange County on up to Redding, went up in smoke. July clocked in as the hottest month in California ever, with an average temperature of 79.7 degrees. By the time our president chimed in on August 6th at 4.53 p.m., the fire protection agency known as Cal Fire reported that some of the major wildfires had already ripped through more than 433,664 acres engulfing 1,000-plus homes and structures. California wildfires are being magnified and made so much worse by the bad environmental laws, which aren't allowing massive amounts of readily available water to be properly utilized. It is being diverted into the Pacific Ocean. Must also treat clear to stop fire from spreading. My first instinct was to tweet at real Donald Trump, what the fuck do you know about fighting fire? Did bone spurs give you extra reading time to study as many existing firefighting manuals as you could get your little hands on? But I took a deep breath of our smoke-free air out here in the Midwest. Well, there was that barbecue down the street that smelled of cheese-stuffed bratwurst charring away. But it reminded me for a second of what our Republican uncles asked of us immediately after the election. Just give him a chance. I've been frustrated by 45 at every turn, but what if this was his chance? Maybe he did have some brilliant ideas on fighting forest fires that we haven't tapped into yet. <laughs> and instead of scoffing at his late afternoon tweet, this could be an opportunity to probe him further for his hidden wisdom. So I called some people who called some people in the Trump administration and implored him to rise to the occasion. Trump could be the hero who makes our forests great again. 
His team responded, yes, Trump would like to be that hero who fights fire before fire can become fire. (laughs) They came back to me with a plan and asked me to show my loyalty toward his graciousness in solving a problem in a blue state. Suddenly, I'm the nation's forest fires are. Because though I might not look it, I'm one of the floor search wardens during fire drills at my work. (laughs) Apparently, this is enough of a qualification. I've been directed through a series of Snapchats that Trump himself has issued to me while he takes his first poop of the day to do anything and everything I can to drum up support for a series of executive orders that will be signed off on by the end of the week. After drinking a gallon and a half of the Kool-Aid, it is my honor to present to you an eight-point plan. The art of the snuff. Donald J. Trump's blueprint for fighting forest fires in the now great again America. First of all, we need to rally behind a true leader. It's about time we fire that clown, Smokey the Bear. He's been doing absolutely nothing since 1944 when he's appointed by that lib FDR. What a waste of taxpayer money. With a government salary, he can at least afford to put a damn shirt on. Sleazy Smokey is such a low-class pig. We need someone who will be tough on forest fires, not weak, which is why he will be replaced by the stuffed lion in Baron's room. (laughs) Then we need to stop forest fires at the source. It is so obvious. ISIS is dead set on destroying our beautiful American land because they hate trees and want this place to be a desert by the time they take over. Not gonna happen. From now on, only legal citizens of the United States will be allowed entry into national, state, and local parks. Parks will be heavily regulated using surveillance, security checkpoints, and walls. We're letting terrorists camp out in our own backyard. To make matters worse, there are far too many who have embraced witchcraft and are stirring up super-powerful demon-backed fires. Our rangers must survey the land with the blessing of Jesus Christ himself, which is why we will deploy highly trained warrior priests. The paladin will emerge as a force to be reckoned with in a morally bankrupt America. A sad thing happened to our country when we banned asbestos back in 1973. Once again, big government overstepped and made a house fire much worse. We will begin rebuilding these houses using asbestos again. Which is one of the most heat-resistant substances on Earth. And what you're seeing now will never happen again. Snowflakes are so scared of this beautiful flame-retardant stuff. But Donald Trump has literally been dipping his ice cream cones in it since he was four. And he is the healthiest president we've ever seen. Because right now you can't build on this state land, you don't have anyone who's going to care for it like a proud franchise owner would. We can guarantee you, if there were more McDonald's out there in wine country, 
You'd have more fire extinguishers on hand. And that assistant manager who values his job is going to care more about stopping that fire than some hippie working summers for the parks department. <laughs> Not only will a strip mall clear out some of that tree density, you saw the total number of acres destroyed anyway. We, could, we should have given that to the timber, timber to the logging industry a long time ago. But that bitch of a fire will meet its match when it comes up against the arctic blast of an open freezer at a cold stone creamery. <laughs> Everyone is so uptight about plastic water bottles. The Trump administration took a major step to tackle the problem of access to water in national parks when it overturned Obama's ban on the National Park Service's ability to sell plastic water bottles. If they only looked at the big picture, years of evidence shows us that most of the time these water bottles are tossed on the ground there's a little bit of water left in it. <laughs> we're killing ourselves by not having any of these on hand. If a fire were coming at you, wouldn't you much rather having litter lying around with something you could splash at the hot beast? <laughs> and while many in our country are swept into demonizing Vladimir Putin thanks to the fake news media, if we were a little nicer to him, he'd be up there putting an end to this madness. He's been known to commandeer Russian firefighting aircrafts because God bless him. He is a world-class hero, and it's about time we recognize that he can do no wrong. These firefighters use so much cell phone data to track fires, it's not even funny. It's expensive. Verizon was unfairly criticized for throttling the Santa Clara County Fire Department's data. Liberals are crying that Verizon should have given them unlimited data in an emergency situation. The only way such a company like Verizon can afford to provide the services that firefighters need is to charge more. The end of net neutrality is going to be the secret ingredient that helps us win. As long as these firefighters pay their fair share and pay it on time, We'll have gargantuan cell phone towers erected in no time. And fire won't be a threat to them because they will be coated in thick globs of asbestos-laced paint. Do we expect telecom to build fireproof cell phone towers out of sheer goodwill? One thing you should all note is that telecom lobbyists are much nicer to Trump than any of these do-gooders. They play golf with him and let him win. They snap selfies with him and proclaim how his golf technique is the greatest. President Trump once saw Smokey the Bear at a golf event and said hi. And this goofy bear snubbed him so he could go take photos with little kids. Like these little twerps are more important than the 45th president of the United States. Trump then challenged Smokey to nine holes but the idiot bear just made a show of his soundless laugh. <laughs> Let's see him laugh like that when he's fired. <laughs> Finally, we're missing the best opportunity in such a bigly way. 
We could be absorbing all that heat and creating such a delicious campfire treat at the same time. We need our finest men hoisting massive skewers, <laughs> pierced with what would be considered bite-sized to the stay-puffed marshmallow man to bob above the blazing tree line. We need to be putting our defensive might behind this, which is why President Trump has asked the Pentagon to initiate a new branch of the military. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for S'mores Force. We will bring dignity once again to all of the forgotten workers in the marshmallow industrial <laughs> complex. This is an unprecedented time in our history. We are faced with a crisis, but we have a ruler, I mean president, with actual ideas. The art of the snuff will be implemented regardless of democratic support. But rest assured, if you walk out of here critical of these ideas, you are anti-American. If Democrats choose not to embrace this plan, they can kiss goodbye the nicknames of tree huggers. Trump and his loyal followers will forever brand such obstructionists as tree cucks. <laughs> so let's take a much needed break from sparring with and distracting our leader and instead encourage him to truly think outside the McNugget box so that fires will be contained at a percentage of 150%. An impossible percentage point that will be made a reality by an administration that does not fixate on the bullshit boundaries of sad science. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jeff Phillips. Give it up again for Mr. Jeff Phillips. You know, people are always asking me, Erica, having my views skewed once a month is just not enough. Well, friend, look no further than our book, The Skewer, Best of 2017. Oh, that was a social cue. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. It's got this dope as hell purple to pink gradient. It's got a photo on the back in which I plausibly look as old as Tom, born in the 90s. It's very, um, it's a win for me and for you when you buy this book. So come by the merch table and you can get your hot, hot little hands on the book of the year. Next up, it's cool. It's cool to fool with the mic while you're talking into it. One sec. The op-ed that was originally here by Elizabeth Gomez uh, was requested by her to not be included in the podcast. Uh, it was great. Let's continue. And now, someone who needs no introduction, someone you know, someone you love, Pumpkin the Dog! Uh, hello? Hello, my name is Pumpkin. I am a dog. A little bit about me, I'm an Aries son. 
uh, Labrador Rising, Border Collie Moon. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. I do identify as a good boy. Thank you. And I am here today to speak to you about a boy who is very, very bad. Uh, you might be wondering how I wrote this, what with the paw situation, or how I thought this, what with the Labrador situation. Okay, mom helps me out. It's a two-way street, though. For 30 seconds once a year, I let her put me in a party hat. It's even. Uh, you may also be wondering about my credentials. Well, I have flappy ears. Twice in 2016, I caught my tail. One time, I ate a whole bush. I'm capable of many great things. You can ask my stuffed friend. All right. I'm here to speak to you about a very bad boy named Louis C.K., who terrorized female comedians on multiple occasions by taking his dingle out of his leg shirt and pleasuring himself. When I heard about this on the NPR, I tried to be understanding. You know, I, I'm pretty sure in one of my past lives I used to be a human man because sometimes I feel like I deserve things. <laughs> Anytime I see a human man holding anything, I go ahead and assume it's his dingle. When your paws are right there, why not? But every good boy knows that you don't pleasure your dingle in the presence of a non-consenting comedian. That's not how it works. And I don't do that. I had to learn the hard way, of course. One time I licked my dingle in front of my mom. She pushed me right off the couch. But I was a puppy then. And Mr. CK should know a whole lot better. Now, Mr. CK was a very, very bad boy on several occasions. And everyone knows that when you're a bad boy, you get sent to your crate. And no one talks to you. No one looks at you. It's a lot like that time that Trevor was allergic to you at the Oscars watching party. You stay in your crate. And you have to stay in your crate, even if you miss chin scratches and sidewalk snacks, even if it's been eight months and you think you've been punished enough. <laughs> Listen, I'm seven. I've seen some shit. <laughs> and I was a bad boy once, too, okay? Two weeks ago, I ate a salami off the counter. I don't know. My kids came home in the big yellow car. I was very excited. I ate the salami. Mom didn't see me do it. My kids didn't see me do it. But a few minutes later, I did throw up on mom's shoes. And that's how everybody knew. And mom yelled. And she put me in my crate. And you know what? I did not come out. I stayed in that crate for 15 minutes. And... When I'd done my time and mom let me back into the house, I vowed that I would never be a bad boy ever again. I did what I had to do. I went to obedience school, okay? And now I spend my days working hard, doing my job. 
I take my mom outside. <laughs> After I make a poop, I do a little dance for her. In the mornings, I take my stuffed friend, I put him on mom's face, right where he belongs. And every evening at 5 p.m., I bark at the east-facing wall just in case. <laughs> Even though I'm reformed now, mom has been taking some precautions with me. Now she only puts salamis on the high counter where my stumpy little legs can't reach. But I am holding myself accountable for my reprehensible actions. How? Primarily, I'm staying out of the kitchen. And I've done some of my best work in that kitchen. I have taken some good naps on that cool tile floor. But I have proven to my mom and to all of my stuffed friends that the kitchen is a place where I cannot be trusted. So I don't go. There are plenty of other rooms for me to fart in. But Mr. C.K., he didn't stay in his crate. He did a 15-minute set at New York's Comedy Cellar. He went back to a place where he had proven that he cannot be trusted. Mr. C.K. thought he could break the rules because being a comedian makes him a special boy. You listen. I know a thing or two about comedy. All right? One time I got my head stuck in a potato chip bag. It killed! <laughs> Everybody loved it. I made mom's Instagram story. I'm a comedian, all right? But that doesn't mean I get a free pass. So Mr. CK, he came out of his crate. And everyone knows if you come out of your crate before mom says it's okay, you have to go back to the shelter. And if you are unaware... The shelter is where you were before you found your forever home. I came from a shelter called Paws, and Mr. C.K. came from a shelter called a suburb outside of Boston. <laughs> this is what I came to propose to you tonight. Someone needs to follow the rules and send Mr. C.K. back to a suburb outside of Boston. Because we need to set an example for all the other bad boys wiggling out of their crates. Because we're given a whole lot of free passes. Maybe this is controversial, but I think Mr. Weinstein should get put down. <laughs> Thank you. And Mr. C.K. can go on telling his little jokes, but he can no longer tell them in the kitchen. I mean New York. I mean anywhere other than a suburb outside of Boston in his parents' basement to an audience full of stuffed friends while he puts himself through obedience school and only takes his dingle out in private like he should. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go take my mom out now. Have a lovely evening. <laughs> That was Pumpkin the Dog, everybody.
In mildly related news, though, Malik White is a Chicago-based stand-up comedian and occasional actor. Their comedy has been featured at Yippie Fest, the Chicago Women's Funny Festival, and every nasty bar in Chicago. Malik is an ensemble member at the Neo-Futurist Theater, where they've been making weird art since 2012. One time they played a lion in a commercial. Learn more at malikwhite.com. That's vaguely related to Pumpkin the Dog. Perhaps you can catch the relation. (laughs) Hey there. You've been having fun tonight, haven't y'all? That's right. Well, there are multiple ways that you can show your appreciation for this show, the most notable of which is money. You You noticed a bucket on your way in? You can drop a couple dollars in there, show your appreciation. If you already donated, why not donate again? There's no, there's no harm in that. You can also show your appreciation to our lovely bartender, Carissa. Drink up and tip handsomely. Our last op-ed writer of the evening, Josh Watkins, is unfortunately a fiction writer. Keep an eye peeled for his podcast with Tom Harrison and Joe Anderson, where they make him watch anime and he hates it. <laughs> You can follow Josh at Simple Ranger on the bad website. You know the one. The one um, that an actual white supremacist runs, but we're all still there. The bird website. Welcome up, Josh Watkins. Thanks, y'all. This has been a really wonderful show so far, and I'm sorry for what I'm going to do to it. Do y'all like elections? Yeah. Me neither. Another muggy summer's end in Chicago, where we get what we begged for back in January, for outside to feel like walking around in a giant mouth. It's disgusting. What better backdrop for Illinois' race to the bottom, the 2018 gubernatorial election, that'll decide which senselessly rich lizard man gets to jack off in the Springfield mansion? Another boring duel of bad versus worse. Two candidates nobody asked for vying for power either one will undoubtedly waste. Feel like you've heard this one before? You have. The thing that won't die, the 2016 presidential election, where the people were offered two loathed and loathsome candidates, the syphilitic Muppet baby Caligula (laughs) versus a conniving glass of warm skim milk. Since then, many other states are beating back America's money-drunk proto-fascism with strong progressive and socialist electoral candidates. Earlier this year, Emily Sirota ran in Denver's Democratic primary for state rep. She called out Colorado's Planned Parenthood for enlisting Trump's Labor Department to bust a burgeoning union. As a result, Planned Parenthood and the Democratic Party at large declined to endorse her despite her unimpeachably strong positions on women's and reproductive rights. She won the primary anyway. A heroic story of the people pushing back against the establishment. Not in Illinois, baby. (laughs) Our similar candidate, Marie Newman, was also too far left for a Planned Parenthood endorsement. She lost by a hair to handsome Dan Lipinski, whose office continues to thwart my letter bombs. Lipinski inherited his daddy's state rep seat back in 2005 and ever since has been proudly representing democratic values, anti-choice, anti-queer, anti-immigrant. 
His moral impoverishment is well reflected in his physical appearance, by which I mean he looks like absolute dog shit. Rain or shine, the Lincoln State will never stop greasing the crooked gears of its bloated, self-sucking machine. For us, November's election is another oasis of horror in a desert of stupidity. Bruce Rauner, the Republican incumbent, versus J.B. Pritzker, the benevolent billionaire Democrat and future governor. <laughs> we almost lost our boy Bruce back during the Republican primaries. His opponent, Representative Jeannie Ives, described Rauner as an Ivy League gender studies professor. <laughs> she also believes Chicago's gun violence is solved by fathers in the home and that transgender rights are junk science. Ives graduated from West Point Military Academy, like any true goose-stepping psychopath. <laughs> and you may remember her for creating one of the most offensive TV ads this side of Jim Crow. Rauner's Republican constituents are so exhausted that not only did he barely beat Ives, but turnout for both was dismal. And whomst among us isn't exhausted with Governor Rauner? Rauner's first term looks like this. Sitting in his office, quietly sobbing to the same Merle Haggard record. Each month, he releases a statement to the press that Mike Madigan has yet again hidden his keys. He couldn't drive to the Solutions Mart and get Illinois back on track. But about once a fiscal quarter, the only measurement of time that makes sense to Rauner, he does something to cripple union power or cut social spending or his favorite, vetoing things. Just last month, he vetoed a bill expanding voting rights to pre-trial and post-jail inmates. He also vetoed a bill that would gradually bring Illinois teacher pay to the basically living wage of $40,000 a year. He favors a merit-based raise system. This is, after all, the man who referred to half of Chicago's public school teachers as illiterate. Lest we forget, Rauner vetoed several budgets over a two-year period because they just weren't Ayn Rand enough for him. <laughs> All while his surrogate PACs spent over $1 million on TV ads blaming Democrats. Rauner's surrogate group, the innocuously named Illinois Policy Institute, has taken advantage of the Supreme Court's busted Janus ruling by sending mailers to members of the Chicago Teachers Union, urging them to stop paying dues. He paused acceptance of Syrian refugees. He has not renovated Illinois' infrastructure. Even after some research, I barely understand how pensions work, putting me at least two steps ahead of Bruce Rauner. <laughs> but he's back on the campaign trail, zipping around downstate on a chopper and wearing his big boy leather vest studded with dozens of enamel pens, including, no shit, his Dartmouth alumnus button. <laughs> Squint and you can almost see a working class Joe instead of a private equity homunculoid. Allegedly, his childhood nickname was Smiley, even though his smile looks like one of the scary masks from that episode of Goosebumps about the scary masks. Bruce Rauner is a used up vacuum bag. But at least he's not a criminal, you may cry. But if you think making roughly $90,000 an hour in 2015 isn't in some way morally reprehensible, then I don't care about your vote. Yeah. 
Following the Democratic primary almost gave me a stroke. Hard dick J.B. Pritzker announced his bid for governor sarcastically early. Before anyone else drew a sword, Pritzker's machine connections netted him preemptive endorsements from trade unions and tepid pro-capitalist nonprofits. Daniel Biss, who wouldn't pass a Turing test, talked the talk at first. But after some crocodile tears from a to horny Dan Lipinski, Biss dumped his socialist running mate, Carlos Rosa, over Rosa's support for Palestine. Still, Biss maybe could have competed with Pritzker, had it not been for one of the more inbred Kennedys sliding his way into the race to split the Pritzker opposition in half. The only good man on the ballot was Alderman Emea Pawar, who, grassroots, raised $1 million for the race. But he had to drop out, because even a million wasn't enough. Why, you might ask? Facetiously, of course, because you already know J.B. Pritzker is nightmarishly rich. He earned his fortune the old-fashioned way, by being born. And... <laughs> And now, he can pit his $3.3 billion against Rauner's $500 million in the most expensive gubernatorial race in American history. Uh, a pedantic note, uh, to put these figures into perspective, uh, 1 million seconds uh, equals about a week and a half. Uh, 1 billion seconds is 32 years. Combined, Rauner and Pritzker have spent $90 million on TV and radio ads alone. That's almost enough to pay for a cop academy designed to make our city's militarized swine seem cuddly. <laughs> I wanted to talk more about the ads, but even if this is your first day in Illinois, you've already heard all of them. It's like that meme with the two cartoon Spider-Men pointing at each other. <laughs> two rich pricks calling each other out for sins both have committed. Perhaps you've heard Rauner's newer ad. Hypocrisy. Tax credits for J.B. Pritzker, but not for low-income students. You're right, Bruce. That is fucked up. But did you forget what a Republican is? <laughs> Pritzker's support of the Fight for 15 is a low bar, a bare-minimum platitude embraced by virtually everyone to the left of Michael Bloomberg. JB and his cadre of consultants know which way the wind is blowing, but it's smoke and mirrors. When he says universal health care, he means a half-assed public option. When he says job creation, he means courting the Bezoses and Musks of the world to bring unstable, exploitative work to Illinois. When he talks about diverting more resources to black and brown communities in Chicago, he means private investment, means testing, and tax credits. But capitalists can't fix redlining. They can't address drug or gun epidemics without tossing a bunch of young people in prison. JB, you and your big, ugly family look like clip art images of rich people. <laughs> and the system has worked well for you all, but it certainly won't work for the, boast of, for the rest of us. For the constituents, the only hope for a candidate like Pritzker is that we can push him further on issues and hold him accountable. But I've heard this song before, and it goes something like this. Cruise and boat tour company Sea Dog Ventures increase their employees' workload to 12 to 15 hours a day with no break and can't be bothered to offer health care. 
Mr. Sea Dog then sends letters to those employees, urging them to say no to a nascent union. Sea Dog happens to be a property of the Pritzker Group, owned by JB and his brother Tony, who looks like an action figure of Chris Hayes melting under a magnifying glass. <laughs> a Sea Dog employee shows up to a JB rally and confronts him about this. Pritzker, Mr. Proud Union Home, is dodgy at first, tries to shirk responsibility, but in time seems receptive. Now, Entertainment Cruises has publicly stated that it won't stand in the way of its workers' right to organize and make demands. It seems like we spoke and they listened. However, Sea Dog is a seasonal company, meaning by the end of this month, it's losing most of its staff anyway. The company's statement says the employees can file a petition with the National Labor Relations Board, but this is a delaying tactic and a terrible idea under a Trump-led NLRB. It's a softcore form of union busting, all theatrics. The Hyatt Hotel franchise from which the Pritzkers made their billions has a long history of discouraging or refusing to acknowledge unions. I've never heard JB's come to Jesus moment about this. Or how about this one? Pritzker's campaign website flaunts unpaid internships, limiting it to young upper-class folks who aren't hungry. The Campaign Workers Guild starts asking how the richest baby in Babylon could possibly advertise an unpaid internship. Now the jb for gov site has changed to say these internships are paid. A win for public scrutiny? I'm afraid not. The paid internship is, is murky and incentive-based, a pseudo-scam like Greenpeace canvassing. The Pritzkers of the world can only be pushed so far because they don't need us. In our current political system, the amount of money they have makes full participatory democracy obsolete. It's the post-Labor Day election surge, meaning we finally get to watch these two clowns duke it out on the debate stage. Rauner, historically debate shy, is pushing for 12 debates before November, flailing like a cornered rodent. The debates will be written by an algorithm and performed by animatronic stand-ins. <laughs> JB will inevitably take the cake. The legislator's Madigan faction will shoot down any attempts to amend Illinois' constitution in order to, Spence, allow minimum billionaire and millionaire-only taxes, and little will change. If there's hope for us in Chicago, it's Rahm Emanuel's uh, mayoral power vacuum now that he's belatedly fucking off, but I have my doubts. Illinois is a living example of electoralism's limitations. Sure, we'll sigh and vote for Mr. Moneybags, but it's on us to push for lifting Illinois' ban on rent control to fight the cops and developers and privatizers and union busters, to put our physical bodies in the streets and sometimes in harm's way, all the while readying our battering rams. They can't keep us outside the doors forever. Thanks, guys. Josh, um, I was a Greenpeace canvasser one summer in Manhattan. I can vouch for it being an actual scam invented by, wait for it, Ralph Nader. That's true. <laughs> Um, on the subject of elections, we here at the Skewer have voter registration forms. Now, I have brought these to at least four skewers 
and I have not had one person register. If you are not registered and you feel that emptiness in your heart and you're like, are they gonna shame me if I admit I'm not registered to vote? The opposite man, I guarantee you a standing ovation. So is there anyone tonight who wants to register to vote by the power invested in me? I actually am registered to vote. I just wanted the applause. That was, um, that's what we call pulling a glick. All right, well, you can come see me privately, no trubs. So before we get to the debate portion of the evening, we've got one more round of our fake news quiz. Kevin, please take the stage. I, oh, I thought she was like volunteer. I was like, oh shit, that was crazy. No, go to the bathroom. Do not go to the bathroom here. That is terrible. Thank you. She's like, I won't, I won't pee on the stage. I was like, no, oh, thanks. Anyway, um, like, like Tom before you, volunteer. Or be voluntold. No, I'm kidding. I, I, can't, I, can't, I don't have that power. Please, somebody, come on. I, I, I literally cannot leave. God damn it. They're already booing you. I, I earned that. I you you that. really fucking did. How dare you? <laughs> All right. For context, this is like my 27 trillionth time doing this. And you've gotten one right out of all of <laughs> <laughs> Yay. All right. You know, you know how this fucking goes. That's because Call. you do not literally tailor the questions for me. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> this is America, motherfucker. <laughs> Nothing is the truth anymore. Anyway, um, story one. <clears throat> museum, fu- museum visitor falls into a giant hole that looks like a cartoonish painting of a giant hole. Who'd, okay. Who'd have fucking thunk that? <laughs> story two. A woman cons dozens of men into date using Tinder, then sets them against each other. That has definitely happened at some point, but it might not have been this month. <laughs> I will accept that. Um, after Chicago police leave bait truck full of Nike sneakers, uh, rappers plan to settle the score with a truck full of donuts and Mount Greenwood. Ah, <laughs> mm. hmm. uh, I'm gonna guess the Nike one's fake. Yeah, it's fake. <laughs> that was like too oddly specific. It was too oddly specific. Okay, so rapper uh, Vic Mensa, who was formerly of Kids These Days, a band that I was cool with, uh, they they had they set up four anti-bake trucks and they had like a bunch of free shoes, which was cool. Then you know everybody could just get them. So yeah, you know, it's not as bad, but you know, it's good. Yeah, claps that one person. Oh, is that Georgia? That's Georgia. And Tom is snapping. <laughs> He loves jazz. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, next set of stories. Uh, Thieves in Paraguay uh, replace police handcuffs with fuzzy bondage gear. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Story two, a security uh, security guard 
loses his job after going viral for farting at work. <laughs> and uh, story three, Christopher Wob Robin, and I don't know why I can't pronounce ours, Christopher Robin won't get a release in China where Winnie the Pooh is a symbol of the resistance. Okay, that one's definitely actually true. I okay. heard about that. Okay. Because everyone thinks that Xi Jinping looks like Winnie the Pooh, which you can now not unsee. Especially how he's always wearing that red shirt and no pants. <laughs> put, your, put your goddamn dangle away. We learned about this from the dog. I see what you did there. Unrelated note, uh, the animals in Christopher Robin are literal horror fuel. It is oh, yeah. just actually disturbing. Um, what was the first one? <laughs> that was the bondage gear? The, yeah, the thieves. And the second one? I like how the only thing you remember from that story is bondage gear. <laughs> yes. uh, the, the farting security guard. guard. Uh, uh. I'm going to guess the bondage gear one's fake. Yeah. Wow, this is the most... No, I've gotten two out of three most times. This is the most I feel that I remember you ever getting. <laughs> which is more relevant than what the fuck actually has happened. All right, so the thieves... That's fair. That's the fair. thieves did replace something of the, hand, uh, of the uh, police officers. They replaced their guns with toy replicas. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's cool. It's the, the PG version of that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you do go three for three, I will give you my drink ticket in, a, in addition to the, the sticker you were going to get from the merch table, which I'm sure you have like a thousand of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can build a small raft. Some, I don't fucking know. What anyway. do you mean can? Did. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you did build a small raft using stickers. Okay. Sorry. Okay, story one. A man arrested after trying to sell secret KFC spice recipe on the dark web. <laughs> Colonel can't get you there, motherfucker. Uh, story two. The Drug Enforcement Administration wants more marijuana grown in 2019. Mm. Story three. Contestant on Turkish version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire uses two lifelines on the question... Where is the Great Wall of China? <laughs> uh, Bonus point if you can tell me where it is. <laughs> I'm going I'm to guess uh, Burma. God damn it, Carl. <laughs> God damn it. Sorry, Myanmar. I'll accept it. Okay. Um, I'm going <laughs> to... So it's KFC, I'm gonna, I'm gonna it's marijuana, or it's the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I'm going to guess it's the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire one. We were eight years of power. No, you were so fucking close. Uh, damn it. Was it the DEA? What, what was it? Was it the DEA? Uh, no, it was actually the KFC. <laughs> Nobody that, was tried like to most, that was like the most believable one. Right, okay, yeah, I, I guess. Which okay, is, I, guess, I mean, yeah, that's the point. That's good for me. Yeah. But, uh, so, it was actually, like, in this, like, I guess it's no longer a KFC, but there's a giant drug tunnel <laughs> underneath it that was built. And they found the dude that used to own it, and he had just, like, a shit ton of drugs in his truck. <laughs> it was cool. That's, like, completely unrelated to the thing that you said. It had a KFC in it, motherfucker. <laughs> Also, it was fake, so I could do whatever the fuck I want. 
Touche. Like you coming up here being like, I didn't vote. Actually, I can. <laughs> Except now you're a felon and you go to jail and you can't vote. Thank you, Carl, for coming up on stage and letting me yell at you. <laughs> Erica Dreisbach, please proceed with the debate. Thank you, ladies and ghouls. And now for the highlight of the evening, the massive debate portion in which two writers will vie for the coveted skewer. Our first writer, Megan Hendricks, is a writer, comedian, and illustrator from Chicago. She can be seen all around town on shows like this one and co-produces the narrative variety show Beginning, Middle, End at The Hideout. Please welcome to the stage, Megan Hendricks. Carly Oishi is the co-founder of Misspoken and Solo in the Second City. You can find her writing at oishi.com. And coming up, she's also in Funny Haha, September 21st at the Hideout, and the paper Machete on the 22nd. If you want to see her two days in a row, and you will. Welcome up to the stage, Carly! debate tonight in August. The Trump administration announced rule changes to dismantle provisions of the Clean Air Act that target petroleum and coal power plants. The rule changes are estimated to cause as many as 1,400 premature deaths per year, 48,000 new cases of exacerbated asthma, at least 21,000 missed days of school, and an additional 600 million metric tons of carbon dioxide from car emissions by 2030. But let's not get hung up on doom and gloom and certain death. Surely there's a compelling positive side to these changes. Carly, what will you be arguing? And Megan, what will you be arguing? By predetermined determining before the the debate, we have determined that Megan will be going first. So Megan, take it away. Thank you so much. So Trump is currently working on deregulating the coal and oil industries, and you know what? This is actually great news because it has shown us the real problem here. Coal and oil still exist. <laughs> this is why I am here today to offer you the best, fastest, most fun, and indeed only true solution to the problem. We burn all of the coal and oil as fast as we possibly can. That's right, folks. Much like the fat joint Hillary sparks up every time Mueller makes another indictment... <laughs> We must light this shit on fire and keep smoking it until we're left with a fresh, clean slate. And perhaps just enough of a buzz from the fumes to remember what hope feels like. Your first reaction to this statement might be, Megan, wow, no, way too drastic. Absolutely not. And to that I say, when there is a toddler in the seat of power, we must baby-proof the house. And at this point, emission standards aren't enough. We know that. This is not an administration that believes in having standards. 
So we must protect ourselves and clean up the planet once and for all by completely getting rid of these things that we can't keep our hands off of. <laughs> Not only that, but we're going to have a fucking great time doing it. <laughs> My liberal, progressive, endlessly patient, tote bag wielding friends, aren't you tired of being the good, restrained, responsible ones? Don't you wish once, just once, you could be the bad guy? Now you can. And better yet, now you can be the good guy by being the bad guy. Don't act like you don't miss guilt-free plastic straws. Don't you dare pretend like you would rather suffer through a crammed ride on the L to work with some weak-ass steamed broccoli and Tupperware weirdly heating the top of your thighs when instead you could guzzle gas in an air-conditioned behemoth right to the front door of your climate-controlled office, take a motor scooter to the elevator, get takeout delivered for lunch, and just throw all that shit away. Without having to make some big, dumb show for Brian of how you recycle it. I'm talking air and water shows every week. Let's set up some real Fast and Furious drag race shit around here. Winter in Chicago is coming, and no longer must you suffer restraint with a thermostat. If you can immediately waste a coal or oil product, we want you to do it. Stop trying to beat money and greed with reason and moderation. It doesn't work. Join the winning team, have a little fun, and use extremism instead. And you guys, realistically, we don't have time to try reasoning with these assholes. Flint still doesn't have clean water, the government put a bunch of immigrant babies in cages, and we've been pretending like retweeting our anger is going to do something about it. We have bigger fish to fry than nitpicking line items and EPA standards. And why would you want to when you could be frying eggs you had flown in from South African ostriches on the top of your Hummer instead? There are two potential arguments against this. The first is, slow and steady wins the race. If you blow through all this toxic material, you'll probably kill a bunch of people before we get to the nice, clean planet idea. Okay. <clears throat> Will there probably be some casualties with this kind of no-holds-barred going-out-of-business sale? Sure. I mean, somebody always gets trampled on Black Friday. But... If you're so worried about carbon emissions, and we have established that you are, this shouldn't really be a problem for you. You know who has the smallest carbon footprint? Dead people. <laughs> the second argument against this is, but what about the children? Won't they all get terrible asthma and miss a bunch of school? First of all, maybe they should be missing school. They keep getting shot there. Yeah, so really, I'm solving two problems at once. You are welcome. Second of all, is the hero in the movie ever the protein shake guy who spent every waking hour at the gym? No, it is the nerd with the inhaler who got homeschooled, slept in the same bed as his parents until he was 15, and developed some pretty weird ideas as a result. <clears throat> I'm sure my opponent would love for you to believe that lowering emission standards slowly over time will strengthen people, potentially even creating a super race of stronger, better people, blah, blah, blah. This is a terrible idea. 
first of all, I think we can all agree that waiting for a solution is un-American. <laughs> Second of all, humans are idiots, even me. Recently, humans have not only been idiots, they've been racist, trigger-happy, power-hungry, ignorant, history-denying, Nazi idiots. Trust me, you don't want to spend a bunch of time making those people stronger. <laughs> we are no longer living in the Obama era of hope and change. Evolution is a gamble and a crapshoot at best. And if you're willing to risk the future of the planet on the hope that a little extra coal emissions will help people grow bigger muscles and the ability to empathize, you might be an idiot. Just like the fella running the country, which brings me back to my earlier point. Let's throw a party, light the shit on fire, and clean up the goddamn house. Thank you. Human beings, the most resilient, powerful, smartest animals on earth, so well built we survived whatever it was that killed the dinosaurs when we walked alongside them 230 million years ago. It was probably God. His son Jesus resurrected. Mary didn't even have to have sex to get pregnant. I'm an atheist, otherwise I'd think of more examples from the Bible. But either way, remarkable, wouldn't you say? Man will live through whatever is hurdled his way, and I guess we'll just see about women. <laughs> that guy who was our president and all of those saint-like people at his side have already made such considerable contributions, not just for this country, but for our planet. Climate change is not real, and even if it was, who cares about protecting Parisians? When the apocalypse comes, Americans should take top priority. We set an example to the world with our maternity leave policies, infant mortality rates, superior education system, and accessible health care. And how about guns? Everyone should have one. Studies show there is a direct link between intelligence and firearm ownership, and I don't have to cite my source because our president doesn't have to, and I don't know why someone as unimportant as me, a woman of color, should be held to a higher standard than the most powerful man in the world. Besides, if you have a gun and you are shot, then you don't deserve to live because you weren't good at defending yourself, which is like the definition of survival of the fittest. The White House's stance on Nazis is admirable. I mean, some of them are very fine people who have proven to the world that tiki torches can be used for more than just a backyard barbecue. If that isn't genius, I don't know what is. But the most amazing thing the President of the United States has done through expert, thoughtful policymaking is the separation of children from their parents at the border. Now we know, now we know, that even babies can survive without their mothers for an extended period of time and everything is totally fine and good and, dare I say, wonderful, these children are now mentally and physically prepared to survive even the most traumatic, harmful, horrific situations, you know, the tens of thousands of scenarios that pale in comparison to being ripped from your mother's arms never knowing if you'll ever see her again. 
So all of this hubbub about rolling back restrictions on the burning of coal and a car's ability to pollute the air is really counterproductive. There clearly isn't enough food or medicine or Kushner-owned Manhattan high-rises in this country to help every citizen. And this is just a kinder, gentler version of the purge. <laughs> 1,400 additional premature deaths? I mean, our fearless leader could bench press that many people. Besides, those 1,400 people should have moved to an area with less pollution or remodeled their houses for better air quality or bought better health insurance or just never left the house. It's called Amazon and Instacart, people. Also, asthma is treatable, and I mean, they wouldn't be able to outrun the zombies, so... Air can't be damaged permanently. We are constantly making new air every time we exhale. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter what we inhale because yeah. our lungs clean it. And that is my expert understanding of how this works. And I'm only half as smart as the leader of the free world. Look, we should all just aspire to be American ninja warriors. A little burning coal wouldn't keep these true athletes from completing a man-made obstacle course, just like it won't harm us regular folks who could only dream of conquering the barrel roll, spider wall, log grip, bridge of blades, curtain slider, floating chains, prism tilt, monkey peg, spinning wheel, quintuple steps, dancing stones, cat wrap, bungee throw, cargo crossing, wind chimes, big dipper, Swinging spikes and warped wall. Oh, we got a hot one tonight. Both writers, please come to the stage. I will now be giving you questions that you have not heard in advance, uh, addressed to you individually and then later to both. First question is for Carly. Do you recommend any particular exercise regimes for the strong among us, similar perhaps to how athletes prepared for the Beijing Olympics? Oh wait, what was the first part? Do I have any exercise suggestions? Yeah, so the strong people can get stronger. Oh yeah, they should do HIT. Um, it's very popular. If you don't know what the acronym is, it's high intensity interval training. Or you do like spurts of 30 to 40 seconds of intense workout and then relax for 10 to 20 seconds. You only have to do it like a couple days a week to have maximum calorie burning um, yeah, potential. So that would be my recommendation. Hit. Hit. <laughs> Megan. We're surely on track to deplete natural resources within a generation or so, but what if that's not fast enough? Are there any inventions or industries that you envision, either feasible or fantastical, that might help to accelerate peak air pollution? Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was the point of Space Force when I first heard about it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but I think just like more wars would be great in general for this. It's like... If we're all, if nobody, if not everybody can survive, then we gotta fight everybody so that it's just us. I think that'd be great. Yes, applaud that. Good. That is good, audience. Carly, the next phase of human life will include robotic bodies. I think that's obvious to everyone here, obviously. Uh, should we prevent weaklings from gaining access to bionic lungs that they might survive in a future meant only for the strong? And if so, how? And if not, why not? Uh, we still need um, slaves. So um, 
since we're getting rid of all the um, non-legal people, um, you know, we're gonna need people to like bring our quarter pounders and our cokes and all of those things. So, um, you know, I just believe that everyone should be able to survive and provide for me. Generous, a generous vision of the future. Megan. You present a very appealing case because it dovetails so nicely with not having to do anything different or uncomfortable. Yes, thank you. As the French would say, laissez faire, pardon my French. Do you believe that an invisible hand, perhaps composed of toxic fumes, could be said to guide us toward a better future? And if so, how big is the hand? And if not, why not? Can you repeat the question? <laughs> yeah, I can. Start with the hands. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. Um, there's a lot of ideas coming at you fast and furious. It's cool. Um, is an invisible hand going to be guiding us toward a better future? With this laissez-faire, let it be. Just mm -hmm. not even worry about things. Just relax, man. Is, but is it also maybe a literal hand? <laughs> and if not, why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think it, it, the hand is not a literal hand, but there definitely is a, ha a, a toxic fume hand guiding us toward a better future. It looks like this. Um, and uh, it's not a literal hand because this is, you know, this is sort of like our version of uh, climate change religion. You know what I mean? It just lives within all of us, um, the toxic hand. So the toxic hand in me recognizes the toxic hand in all of um, And then this last one is a question for both of you. I wrote this debate prompt, even though I promised you both that the debate is the ha-ha funny climax of the show. In truth, thinking about federally sanctioned collapse in air quality makes me quite depressed. Is there an upside to this type of self-destructive tendency of mine to deliberately expose myself to ideas I find disturbing? This gets a little bit meta. I'm going to vamp for a second. This is the vamping. Go ahead. Help me out, ladies. You know, like maybe it'll make me stronger or maybe it'll help me end it all more quickly. <laughs> you don't have to laugh it's at that. It's helping you prepare for 2020. I, I do think it might be a self-selection process, you know? So <laughs> if you can't hack it, get out of the air, you know? <laughs> we need this, so... <laughs> Well, that was a rousing debate, indeed, ending on a high note. And now, for the closing statements, uh, since Megan, you went first, you'll... Yeah. Then now Carly goes first. Many of us, in, of us in this room are a product of moms who smoked while they were pregnant, sprayed their hair with Aquanet and stood five inches from the microwave while heating up their TV dinners wrapped in aluminum foil. Never mind the fact that we are the first generation who won't live, out, live our parents. Some of us 
Those with bigly lungs and beautiful bodies will be lucky enough to survive to see the creation of Space Force, the end to term limits on the presidency, and an all-white male conservative Christian Supreme Court. Survival of the luckiest, if you ask me. Unfortunately, we've reached the point where we need to go on a coal and oil diet. <laughs> so I would just like to close with a reminder that if you're successfully trying to cut out sugar, you don't just keep a shitload of Oreos around the house. On your last day before your diet, you slim 40 packs. <laughs> you pour gasoline on your car. <laughs> and you light that shit on fire. So that around midnight, when you turn into a weak, drunken raccoon, you can't drive to the grocery store and get more. <laughs> Moderation has never actually helped make anybody stronger, and it certainly hasn't ever created meaningful change. Let's clean up the planet the only guaranteed way we can, by destroying the things that make it so dirty. Thank you. Excellent. That was a spirited, incredible debate. Both sides worthy of your consideration. But tonight, the judges are you, the audience. And a meta-judge has been appointed right here to judge the judges. And thus, we will determine a winner. So, tonight, if you believe that Carly was the winner of the debate, please applaud wildly. <laughs> And if you believe that Megan was the winner of tonight's debate, please applaud wildly. And judge, are you able to make a determination? Megan is the winner, winning tonight's skewer. Thank you. That was excellent. Thank you to both our debaters and to all of our writers tonight. Wasn't this a dope-as-hell, fantastic show? All right, our next show is going to actually be not on a first Wednesday. It's going to be at Lit Crawl at the Hop Leaf. Y'all been to the Hop Leaf? It is a hot-as-hell bar in Andersonville. You can come see us at 6 p.m. on Saturday, September 22nd. That's two and a half weeks from now. Get your skewer fix early. If you miss that, don't worry. We got our regular show coming up Wednesday, October 3rd at 8 p.m. right here at the Calf Stash. I've been your host, Erica Dreisbach. Until next time, keep your head dry and your views skewed. Thank you for listening to the Skewer Podcast. If you liked what you heard, uh, you can come to a live show the first Wednesday of every month at Cafe Mustache in Chicago. If you can't make it to Cafe Mustache, uh, you can like us on Facebook and Twitter or subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts or give us a review or tell your friends about the Skewer. I don't know. Any sort of word of mouth is good for us. Uh, if you'd like to be on the show, Feel free to contact us at skewerchicago at gmail.com. We always are excited to have new people on the show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next month. <laughs>